Hello and welcome to the Alpha Mind Podcast with me, Stephen Goldstein, and my co-host Mark Randall. The Alpha Mind Podcast is the first podcast which focuses on the mindset aspects of trading and investing performance. Now, this week we've got a very special guest. His name is Adam Nash. He is, I think the term ledge could be used to describe Adam. He's a very successful futures trader. He's been trading for over 20 years in the London markets. He used to be a floor trader in the late 90s on the Life Pit in London, the London International Financial Futures Exchange. And then he transitioned to off-floor when the market went electronic and became a fantastically successful trader. And at one point was amongst the largest traders in the Euroball Pit. I've also known Adam for many years. We worked together in the mid 80s. Uh, so a very long time ago and um, you know it's been great seeing him transition to become a really successful and outstanding trader so without further ado please join myself and co-host mark randall in welcoming adam to this week's podcast Hi Adam, welcome to the uh, the Alpha Mind podcast. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right, thank you very much. How are you? Fine, thank you. Good. Good. It's been a while since we spoke. It has just been. <laughs> I think it's been a very long time. Wait, you're you're based you're based in South of Spain now, aren't you? Um, I'm a Tib resident. Uh, so I live in um, I live with, well, I've got a house in Marbella and I've got a place in Jib as well. But I'm imminently moving to Lisbon. Let's, let me introduce you to Mark quickly, Mark Randall. Buenas dias. My wife is Spanish, so we oh, have okay. a conversation probably... in Spanish. <laughs> you probably speak, speak better in Spanish than me, then. <laughs> <laughs> it all depends on how much Rioja I've had to drink. <laughs> right. Well, this time of morning, not too much, hopefully. Well, you don't know my brothers-in-laws, mate. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I've been having uh, soli sombre at half past five in the morning before going hunting. Oh, okay. <laughs> the hunting didn't happen. It was just one big barbecue and drink up in the countryside very early. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so, Ed, for this podcast, no rules really. We're just going to ask you a couple of questions to prompt some uh, discussions, and uh, you know, I think we'll just see where it goes from there. So, um, any any concerns from you before we start? I'll try. I'll try not to throw too many expletives in. But is, is there? Um, I'll try. I'll try and keep it as clean as possible. But is there zero no, tolerance no. as well? No, it's fine. It's fine. Their traders are going to be listening mostly, so I think they'll be quite used to it. Okay, fair enough. But I'll, 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 I'll try and keep the down as little as possible. Yeah, we're, we're both ex life floor, so there's a fairly significant risk of that. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> All right. Before we start, is there any themes that you want to bring in? Or... I've been through everything. Because uh, be so, I've been so busy, it's literally this morning, I thought, shit, I've not done any preparation at all. I better have a look at this. I've, I've had a good look at it this morning. I've done about an hour and, a, hour and a half. I've got quite a few pages of notes in front of me as well. I mean, I think. Some of the stuff, you know, you can't help but duplicate some of the some of the thought processes, etc. Because you know, rules are rules, kind of thing, and, and psychology is psychology. So yeah. I, I can't really think of anything else that you, that's not there that doesn't encapsulate pretty much how it is to be a trader and the the psychological part of it all. So um, so no, I wouldn't add anything else to be quite honest. I think or, or, or to look to in, to bring in any, any other theme. I mean. There's a couple of things. I mean, the, when you when you ask the question about um, what uh, what what advice would you give to new traders or traders looking to gear up? I mean, I, I actually thought about that question, and I thought, well, you be honest, you're they're two different types of people, so you wouldn't give the same advice to to, to you know someone who's already looking to gear up means they've already made it to sort of base yeah. camp of uh, of the Everest, whereas somebody else who's starting doesn't even you know sort of even step foot out of the village yet, sort of thing. You know what I mean? Right. So, Fantastic. So. The first question I ask everyone, Adam, is what three things that you now know at this stage of your career? And you, you've been you've been working as a trader 25 years. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I think the first trade I ever made was about 1990. So it's probably, uh, that's for a bank. Oh. So, so that's probably what that's 29 years. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So, yes, yeah, so nearly 30 years. So what three things that you now know as an experienced and very successful trader would you do you wish you had known nearly 30 years ago when you started? OK, um, so not, not in any particular order, um, but I think the first one uh, is uh, I've got my notes written down is, is don't fight the market. Um, 
and by that I mean you know the market the market always tends to have one uh, prevailing narrative um, <clears throat> and you know you find yourself as a trader in, in a position an awful lot of the time where you don't agree with that narrative um, but you know the problem is is that the market is being driven by that narrative and if you try to go against it too soon um, you're going to end up on the wrong side of on, on the wrong side of the market and you're either going to get yourself stopped out or sitting on a on a, on a hefty loss, which uh, um, obviously brings into play a whole different level of psychology that you've got to sort of, uh, um, you know, hold, hold your position even when you're making losses. So, you know, the markets, I feel, they're always very, they're, they're very myopic, they're very short. You know, they can only deal with one narrative at any one time. And so timing is everything in terms of when you put your trade on, when you don't believe in that narrative or when you can see what's going to the next, the narrative that's coming behind it. Um, so and I've I've learned <laughs> over the years many times that you know t you know you can if you try to fight the narrative too soon you're going to be stuck on the end of losses or actually taking losses and uh, um, and so that's the first thing I would say to myself is 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 you know timing is everything don't get into a trade too soon even when you you feel like you're 100% certain that the narrative is wrong you've just got to you know you've got to wait until until you know, the, the market seems comes comes in, into line with your view on that sort of thing. Yeah, so that would be the first thing. I think the second thing, um, and this is actually obviously I've been trading for a very long time, and and you grow as a person as well as a trader, and you, and you change as a person, and you change as a trader as you get older as well. Um, which I suppose when you get to my age, which is forty eight, you kind of feel like you're a bit of a dinosaur, and you've you know you always feel like you've seen it all or been there and seen it done it but you never have because there's always other things that throw up in different circumstances and what have you but the second thing i, I would would tell myself and you know go back and and, and to the younger trader uh, which also ties into the, to the first point is the value of patience um i actually looked up the uh, the adjective impetuous this morning and it said it was characterized by sudden or rash action or emotion and you know, uh, you, you, when 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 there is when the markets are flying around and there's and there's and there's news come out, it can knock you off your plan, um, and you know, and and you can end up getting sucked into trades you you didn't plan on doing in the first place, and you know, and 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 it also ties in the patience thing with with, with no with timing, every timing is everything, and when you're younger and you, you know, and I suppose some of the traders will be listening to this today will be younger guys and you know we're all when when we're, we've all been there when we're younger guys you know the, you know you can't help but be, be impulsive and uh, um and it's a very difficult thing to learn when you when it, especially if that's what if that's the nature of your character as well but um it's always best to work to a plan and and to and to and you know to just ex exercise patience as much as you possibly can because if you go in too soon as i said before you go in too soon yeah, um, you're going to have to deal with the psychology of, of having a position that's got, that's gone offside. Yeah. So that would be my yeah. second point. Um, my third one, uh, I guess, you know, I mean, there's, there's not just two, two or three things I'd tell myself. <laughs> I'd sit myself down in a, my younger self in a, in a, in a room and, and, and probably spend about 12 hours going through things. But um, And probably beat yourself around the head a few times. Oh, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but I think the third point... Um, is um, it's ego, I guess. I mean, you know, we everyone has an ego, and uh, and you know, and and the type of character that um, that, that, that you have to be, or, or you or that type of character that's attracted to the job of trading, um, you have to be very, very mentally strong. And so, with that mental toughness, I, you know, everyone's got an ego, and it's about really that sort of taming the ego, and and you know. And staying in the game, I've got, I've, I've actually got staying in the game as uh, written down, and that's you know if you if you want to put it to sort of um, sporting analogies, you know if you, whether it's if you're if you're a cricketer, you know don't throw your wicket away, you know and understand the value of your wicket. If you're a golfer, you know don't smash a ball, you know if you're playing against an opponent, don't smash your drive out of bounds because you're just giving the guy a hole. And in the football, don't dive in on a tackle. You know it's 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 about Basically, staying in the game, knowing when to retreat, knowing when to stand your ground, um, and and you know, and also you know, sometimes you know, when you're wrong, you're wrong, and you just got to accept that as being as being you know as 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 part and parcel of, of what we do for a living. And um, 
and so yeah, ego. You just got to you got to tame your ego and and not let your ego get in the way of of making you know decent decisions, which is not easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. That's brilliant. I mean, it's three great points. You know, I want to come back to some of those in a minute. I, I actually thought, I, you know what, we've never, Mark, we've never put these questions to ourselves. I mean, what, there must be, I mean, it's nearly 40 years since you started in this business. Uh-huh. Have you thought about the three things that you would have told yourself if you yeah, could I think when you started? That, um, if I look back, I mean, Adam, you probably would, if you reflect back to the life floor and think about the people that made a real success of it, they they were balanced. You know, the David Kites of the world, John Sussex of the world, you know, they, they were balanced people. They had sort of a, a sort of a calmness about what they did. They You very rarely saw them flustered. And yet they were dealing with, uh, I don't remember Kite dealing with a lot of the uh, market spread stuff, so the more complex side of pricing, you know, in, in a pit environment. And, um, you know, learning's not get too carried away with yourself. You know, the, um, you can get Larry pretty quickly on a floor and learning how to control that. And, and that sense of it's a, a journey of learning um, and the fact that, you know, the market is broader than you think uh, and that tuning into the market and being aware of the market in as broad a sense as possible uh, is a very useful way to start, rather than having tunnel vision and just think that the market's the bid and the offer, which you all tend to start off with, that sort of focus of just staring at something and hoping it moves. But so the breadth of awareness is something that uh, you know, I know now is something that one needs to really pay much more attention to, but also manage yourself better. You know, even how you sleep, how you get up, uh, how you engage with work, how you socialize across a market because those social connections are invaluable. I don't know, Adam, whether you can reflect on some of those having come from that type of environment as well. Yeah, I think uh, um, having you know clarity of thought. I mean, are you just highlighting uh, David Kite and John Sussex? I mean, for example, you know, when when I worked in the pit and um, you know, I, I'm a spread trader. I've, I've always been a spread trader, um, mm-hmm. and, and so I'd have sort of. And obviously, you're legging in and out of spread, so you've got one side of the leg done, and then you're le- you're looking at. Um, so I remember once I was looking at a guy from Samoa who had a load of offer, uh, offers in um, quite quite a lot of volume in red sep, and and the, and the pitch going absolutely crazy, and my, my and I just zeroed in on Andy at Samoa and was like, you know, that offer, you know, you you cannot miss that offer. That's the offer yeah. you've got to buy. And so, so there's all this, you know, this screaming, shouting, and you know, and 400 people going absolutely crackers. But Andy and Samuel was my only focus. Um, and in, and and it's similar now, you know, you know, when you're when you trade now, you get a lot, you know, there's an awful lot of white noise, um, especially when it's really busy. And it, but you've just got to focus in on the one thing that is important to you, and so just trying to block out all the other that what I call white noise is, is fundamental to, to you know. And so it's, it's basically clarity of thought. Yeah, and I guess there's some sort of filter, sort of applying a sort of market filter, isn't it? Sort of hearing the things that are important and blocking out the things that are just, you know, a distraction. And I guess managing distractions becomes part of that process as well, doesn't it? Just, you know, turning down the stuff that's invaluable, but turning up the stuff is is sort of critical to that decision. And, you know, as you were from a pit environment, I guess... You know, handling in on homing in on the guy that uh, has got the other side of the trade, and of course, the, the spread stuff. I mean, the, the spread stuff that you were involved with. Um, I mean, spreads sound easy to price, but when you start going negative on spreads and things like that, and uh, you know, you need some real pure thought and some quite fluid intelligence just to manage that world. Not the easiest of world to manage, was it? No, it wasn't. I mean, obviously, you know, when we started to go into negative interest rates in Europe um, a few years back, it was like, well, you know, I've got to, I've got to get my head around the whole price of this, uh, you know. And, and when it's um, in a situation where sometimes the market's moving very quickly, you know, you've got to be careful you don't make mistakes because, you know, the, pri- the pricing is somewhat different when it's negative to, to when it's positive. Um, so yeah, you know that's that. You know, there's I mean, there's always there's always new challenges. Job. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. Uh, um, there's always something that comes along that's that's uh, uh, something you haven't seen even when you get to become a dinosaur like me. Yeah, stop. Don't stop learning. And to learn, you need to be calm because you, if you're under stress, you can't learn. The brain just can't. That's correct. You know, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, I, I mean, one, the one thing that I've, I've, I've for whatever reason, I've always been very good at is, is, is you know, working with clarity yeah. under pressure, whether it was, uh, um, you know, pre, pre-trading days when you, when you know, I used to actually quite enjoy doing exams at school, but bizarrely, because I didn't, uh, uh, you know, I just enjoyed the, that kind of pressure and, 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 you know, and, and you have to stay calm. I mean, you, you know, at all times you need to, to maintain as much clarity of thought as you can do. And, and, um, and especially when you get, I mean, in the old days when we worked in the pit and you'd have the fast market would come in and it would just right. be carnage. And, uh, you know, but you still, you still needed to keep clarity of thought. Um, and, you know, and I mean, these days it's, you know, on, 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 on the screens when, when it gets really busy, sometimes you get the kind of, you know, most like the pricing can't catch up really, you know, the screen can't catch up with how the market's going. And that's extremely off-putting. Um, you know what, Ed? Ed, that's, that's a great point you made there about that working with clarity under pressure. And what you said about exams, you know, it's, it, it, I think partly, partly the challenge in the market is that so often it's, there's, it's so quiet. I mean, I, when I was a trader, I was great under pressure. That's what I loved. That's when I came to my, you know, that's when I was at my best, when we had these crazy fast markets or, or you know, there was so much going on. Like if I think back to, you know, I'm an even older dinosaur than you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I, I think I was, I died out quite a few years ago. But, you know, if I go back to my early days, which was like, you know, Black Monday, the, the, the bond market, bear crash, those times, that's when I absolutely thrived. And, and now you just said about, you know, exams at school. You know, I never, ever worried about an exam at school when I took them. You know, I, I was completely calm. But the problem for me was a lot of the times the markets weren't like that. And that's when I got myself into trouble. You know, that, that was a that, hard bit for me. Yeah, because that's that's another thing as well, especially for young traders as well. It's a really good point, Steve, is that, you know, you'll get, um, when you get quiet markets, you know, we, all call, we call them boredom trades. You know, you yes. sat there, there's nothing going on. Um, and, you know, and then especially, and this is a real, point i think for younger traders or new, or tra- new traders is you know you're trying to not, not trying to fool something you know if the market sat there all day and you sat there and for hours on end and the market's not moved and then you, and you get frustrated and you you know um and it's not about it's about you know it's about quality trades not quantity of trades and so if, so if there's nothing to do don't do anything and it's and that's the hardest point and that's the hardest part and it's actually also learning the in circumstances like that, when it is boring and there's nothing going on, just get up and go to the gym, you know, or go for a walk or, or, or do something else. Because the longer you sit there and the more frustrated you get, especially when you really, you know, you, you, as a younger trader, you want to make money, obviously, as much as possible. You, you know, you're going to get sucked into doing a, a, a daft trade because you're just bored and, and you're frustrated. And so uh, you're absolutely right. The psychology, there's, there's so many levels of psychology in trading, but one of the, you know, one of the big ones is to, to know when you're actually just trading for the sake of trading. When you know what you should be doing is, you know, putting your feet up and watching telly or something like that. Yeah, and that, that's that's, that's part of the problem. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's part of the problem, isn't it? Because we're all, we're all, you're all sitting there waiting for something to happen, and you don't want to miss it. But then, I think 90% of the time, maybe even more. You know, nothing is happening, and and you can step away. And you know, I used to get into some real dark places during those quiet ones because I'd do something just to have something on, and and then I'd get myself in a complete mess. And and I'm sitting there at the end of the day, and nothing is moving, and I'm waiting for it to come back. And yeah, it's uh, interesting that the role of a trader is sort of that sort of always on sort of position of just in case. You miss something, but you don't want to get to 50 years of age and someone said to you, well, what have you done over the last 50 years? And your answer is, well, I've stared at a screen looking, looking, looking for a trade 10 hours a day uh, and forgotten about the fact that I had a life as well. So exactly. this, this, sort of, yeah. this sort of requirement of your cognitive power um, and your ability to sense and see and, and feel the market and the opportunity it's hugely dependent upon how you manage yourself to keep yourself fresh and available for being there when you can work out what the opportunity is. Um, yeah, and, you know. And the one, and the other one other point I would make as well is, is the fact that you know you sit there, you sit in front of a screen for you know between eight and ten hours a day. 
and and especially on the really quite boring days, you know, you become mentally fatigued and and and, and you know, and you have these, you know, you sort of I'm bored and I'm this and that. And and so if there is an opportunity that comes along, then you're not necessarily in the best place mentally no, to take that opportunity. Not anyway. see it, yeah. so, you know, so um, so so you know, it's it's learning curve in that in terms of knowing when to sort of take a break and and to, yeah. and to step away. And you mentioned that you know that you start to get mental fatigue, but also after a while, your lack of social connectivity if you're a day trader working from home starts to potentially impact your general mental well-being. Full stop. Um, which which can totally take you out of the market per se. So yeah, it's just critical that people realise. I suppose the message going back to 40 years ago is just re-emphasise this point that it's okay to step away. It's okay to get work-life balance appropriate. It's okay to be doing hobbies that are sort of complementary with with trading. You know, sport is is very relevant because the psychology of performance is very very similar. And it's okay to do that. It's okay to step away and just not be staring at the bid and offer and the depth of the market, and that's kind of your life. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, another another question I wanted to ask, Ed. You, you you've achieved great success as a trader, and uh, I, I probably haven't really introduced you properly to the audience yet. But you know, we we knew each other going back almost 40 years. <laughs> you started off in the middle office at a bank that I was working with in my first trading job. And then we lost touch after that, and we, 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 we were reintroduced quite a few years later, by which time you'd become a, a great success on the life floor. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people will be interested about that journey because, you know, so many people who would be listening to this will be either on some sort of journey or might be thinking about that journey. And, and I'd love to hear about that journey you went through. Okay, well, I mean, I, I actually, um, so the, the bank in question was Long Term Credit Bank of Japan that we both worked at, which is uh, long, long time gone. Um, long time gone, yeah, I, we, made, we made sure we killed it, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, it was AAA when we joined as well. Uh, um, <laughs> um, so, so I actually, I, so I did actually trans, uh, transition from uh, um, sort of dealer's assistant into, into being a trader there um, after you'd gone. I mean, to, to be quite honest, I mean, I, I, mean, I think, I mean, I think I joined the bank when I was 18 years old, and I think I was trading by the time I was 20, and I was a kid, and I, and I mean, you know, I didn't understand the gravity of what you what you were doing, kind of thing, or what we were doing, and um, no, I don't think the bank. It, 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 it was just fun. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, I, no, I was like, wow, this is this is fantastic, and uh, you know, and uh, um, but it was fun. It was almost entertainment. It, you know, it was, it was hard work. You know, I was there for long, long hours every day. Um, and it was, but the stress. I think that you know, that stage, that age, you know, you you're almost not. Um, you know, the, the stress levels uh, 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 they don't come because you you know you don't really take, you don't treat it as with the seriousness it should be treated with. Like, but then after about yeah. a year or two of trading, I'm not like, okay. Well, the stress levels will go through the roof. You know, <laughs> um, and I, so I worked for, for LTCB for for you know, five or six years, and I moved on to BNP. And I traded through different. I think the first the first job I had uh, trading was I was trading cash. I was trading Swiss cash, I believe, actually. And then then went on to doing uh, FRAs, forward rate agreements, IRSs, interest rate swaps, and then futures uh, to hedge that kind of stuff as well. Um, arbitrage. Went on to work for uh, BNP, Banque Nationale de Paris, um, and was there about eighteen months. And, and uh, actually got made redundant from there. They, they got rid of our whole desk, and that was actually a huge. Um, that was, you know, psychologically, that was a, a real blow for, to, to, to be made redundant, which was another learning curve, uh, you know, a real learning curve, actually. I was lucky enough to get placed with another bank, and I was only there for a short period of time. And at that stage, um, a lot of my mates were, were on the life floor, and I was, you know, they seemed to have a lot more fun than I am, and, and they were earning more money than me. Uh, so I decided that was probably the, the, the place I wanted to go and work, and I uh, uh, got a job as a a phone broker for Credit Leonay Rouse, and they were very good. They 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 kind of knew that basically I was I was using them to get to get onto the floor so I could get my badges, and then and then become a local. Um, and that was in 1996, I believe. So I've been a I've been an independent trader or a local trader, however you want to describe it, since then. Um, and I, I, I just. An anecdote that I was thinking about this morning, and, and talking about the transition of going from, you know, from a from a bank trader uh, to a, to a local trader. Now, when you're when you trade for a bank, or or I guess a hedge fund as well, that, you know, that you're looking for large moves in the market. You know, you're you know, you're not looking for like, you know, you're not looking to buy twos and sell threes. You're looking, you know, you're looking for 
10, 12 basis points at least, or at least like we did back in those days. And if the management came over and asked you why you had a position on, you had to justify those positions. Um, and, you know, with a, with a thoroughly worked out idea of, well, I think interest rates are going up or I think interest rates are coming down and, and this, the, cur- the curve's misaligned, et cetera, et cetera. When I first went onto the exchange, onto the life exchange and to, to, to trade, my, 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 my focus as a trader had gone from, you know, you know, trying to take 12 points out of the market or, or, or 18 or 25 points out of the market to basically buying twos and selling threes. But that is, was such a, a, a lot, you know, it took me ages to get my head around that. And I actually remember, I think the first trade I did in the pit, I was backed by a couple of uh, locals who I used to stand next to when, when I was sort of doing a, a few bits and pieces for Rouse. And I think I bought 20 lots of the second month in the, in the Euromarks. And I walked out the pit, went off and had a cup of coffee. <laughs> and uh, we've gone for about an hour and a half. And when I came back, I think I was a tick and a half offside. And uh, I think I ended up taking the loss as well. And the two guys who were backing me were like, what the hell are you doing? You know? And I was like, well, I've got, a tra- I've, got a, I've got a bank trading mentality here. Um, yeah. And they were like, well, you know, you're not going to last very long down here if that's, what, if that's the way you're going to trade. So, you know, and... You know, luckily they took me under their wing. I, I, I watched them how they traded. They were spread traders as well, which is why I, I became a spread trader rather than being what I would call a directional trader, which is buying twos and selling threes. I'm, I'm buying tech to sell red sec or or whatever and looking for a curve play. You know. Yeah. Um, and so that so so that transition from from a banking mentality to to being a local. You know, it, it, I mean, I, I picked up pretty quickly, but. But, you know, it wasn't without its pumps and, and, and it was quite, you know, but there was quite, well, it's obviously a massive difference in doing that. Um, and then once you, once you get to that stage, then you have to transition on to, you know, obviously 99, well, the Euromarks was closed down because the life, we were in electronic. And then you had to go back to, to, to working on screens. And then, you, you know, and I think that was where really my experience of being, having been a bank trader and then having been a local on the floor really stood me in good stead because, you know, you're not seeing the flow coming in from the, you know, you, on the on the exchange on the floor. You look across and you could see Salomons or, or JPs putting in a, an, a, you know, they're going to come in and they're going to hoover up about ten thousand the front month, and you so you, you could see them come in. Whereas on the on the on the on the on the screens, obviously you don't see that coming. You just see it hit the market, you know, and so you you had a natural advantage when you worked on the floor, um, and then so. To, to go from a from a local from from a bank trader to a local trader, then back onto the screens, the the, the mix of experience of the two really really helped me out. Um, and I think when I was thinking about this earlier on today, the, one one of the big things as well is, is you know you hear I mean I've heard this many many times in offices since we left the floor where some guy will you know some uh, an order will go through they'll lift the market and then they'll lift the next price and then they'll lift the next price and they'll and they'll lift the next price and people next to them going why the hell is he doing that it's like well this guy's probably a hedge fund guy or a bank guy and he he's he's got such a large order to do that your day depends on buying twos and selling threes he just wants to get the deal done so if he's paying twos up to sixes he doesn't care you know um and i think if you've not been in the banking side of it that to get your head around the fact that people are willing to give away a, a tick, tick, two ticks, three ticks, four ticks to get a trade on is actually uh, um, it's a difficult thing to do when your mentality is not is, is basically if you buy twos and sell threes all day long, that's a great day for you. That's really interesting. Actually, I mean, that's a great summary. And, you know, there were so many questions I've got from that. But that last point is so key because, you know, when you're sitting at home trading and something's happening, there's this temptation to think, oh, they're trying to screw you. But actually, they're not. They've just got something to do. I mean, when I was at a bank, you know, we had orders that we just had to fill. We, we'd, get, we'd get lifted or given by a large customer, and we didn't want that position, and we just wanted to get out of it. And you just had to find the next bid or the next offer. And you keep doing that until you'd cleared that position. You'd got a loss, and then you were back balanced again. But for, for anyone who might have been on the other side of that order, they're probably just assuming that I'm trying to screw the market over. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's very true, you know. Yeah, flow is very interesting because you, you don't know what, you know, I've been on the bank side myself and seen the various flow come through me to hit the market. You know, you've got a sense, is it against cash? Is it a closeout? Is it an option cover trade? You know, is, is it an opportunity trade? And as a, as a broker, you know, playing market for a thousand lots when there's, you know, 50 on the offer, and but you can see the depth on screen. And, um, you know, the client senses the depth as well. And he'll just say, yeah, pay up to I just want the trade on. Uh, and he may be closing out. 
so you can never tell from flow as to whether it's initiator, whether it's a closer, you know, whether it's a spread. You know, it can be all sorts of things. Day trader, that's difficult to understand. Mark, Mark, I made a mistake once, and you probably didn't know about this, Adam. But in my early days when I was at LTCB, I was doing an arbitrage trade, and I was meant to buy um, $100 million yen. 100 million yen, rather, on the dollar yen. So I, was, I meant to sell dollars and buy yen. Now, as you know, 100 million yen is not very much in terms of dollars on the spot. It's about, give or take a few points, a million dollars. I shouted over to the guy on the spot desk, can you buy me 100 million dollar yen? <laughs> <laughs> and he went, are you sure about that size? I went, yes, I need to buy 100 million dollar yen. Now, in those days, I think $5 million yen was a big ticket. And he went, okay. <laughs> he went, okay. And this was non-farm payroll day. Oh, and this dear. was before the release. And I found the mistake about two hours later in the afternoon. And when I found it, the first thing I did was look at the price. It was exactly the same as where it was when I'd made the error. So I got out of it without anyone knowing. I went over to the spot <laughs> and quietly said, you could just do that the other way around, could you? But in the meantime, it got 100 points my favour. Yeah. I, 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 sorry, as you were talking about that size before. No, well, it's, there's plenty of examples about, you know, you're also managing errors as well, right? As part yeah. of the process of flow. Uh, it's not just clean cut, clean cut flow that's going on. Some of it is getting out of something that you shouldn't be in. Um, very very complicated, very very deep and multi-layered. So, uh... and, and, and sorry, but another point as well is, especially you know, especially on screens these days, is that you know you'll see an order go through, and you'll see, and and it might be in one month, but you know, it could be um, just in the buns or something like that, or it could be the BTP or or or, or a in in the, what I do is the, the arrival contracts, and you'll see one month being bid up, bid up, bid up, bid up. And it start forcing the spreads up and down either side of it, et cetera, et cetera. And, you, and when, they, when it's a relentless order, you think, Christ, what do they know that I don't know? But then, you, as Mark said earlier on, this guy could be getting stopped out. You know, you don't know if he's getting stopped out in a massive position. You know, he could be initiating the position. Um, and, and the psychology is sitting there saying, you know, you've already hit him, and then he keeps going, going again. It's like, oh, you know, here we go. So, and, and, and there is that psychology of thinking, I'm, am I wrong here? Have I missed something? Is there, is there something out of the market that I don't know about? But you just don't know. It could just be some guys coming this morning and he's hit, it could be a fat finger or it could just simply be a large, large corporate order. Um, and, uh, and that's, again, plays into the psychology of, of, of you know, sort of knowing or, or trusting yourself that actually this guy, this, this is now misaligning price-wise, whether it's misaligning against other, other fixed-income markets or, or it's misaligning in terms of spreads in a, in a Euribor market or Eurodollar market. Uh, you know, that, that's, and actually, they, they, sort of opportunity, they, turn, they turn into opportunities. But, you know, when, you're, when you go early on something like that, it doesn't feel like an opportunity because you're already offside. But the hedge fund guys will be doing trades in yards and yards of size. And, you know, it, that... And they might they might be doing it over even two or three days, and 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 that's both getting out and getting in. And then quite often, if they're doing it, there's usually somebody else doing it. It's quite rare that you just think of an idea on your own. And that, that yeah, could market a trend. Yeah, I mean that's, that goes back to the to what I was saying about earlier on about narrative. You know, I mean, what I think. You know, I've never been, I've never worked in a hedge fund or anything like that, but I, I get I, those guys, as the same way as, all, you know, if you're in a trading office, we all speak to each other. You know, hedge fund guys, they all speak to each other. And, you know, and you get that crowded trade where, you know, everyone's pushing it. And that's normally when you get towards the end of a narrative because everyone's pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. Um, and then, you know, when they, and when one goes for the door, they all go for the door at the same time and you get a massive blowback on it, on a position, or on, a, on, a, on a narrative that's, that's kept, made people a lot of money for a long time. Um, and it's always about musical chairs. It's like getting out before everyone else decides to get out. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 were, you said earlier, I mean, this narrative is a thing that you brought up at the very beginning, and it's, it, it doesn't always get the exposure it should, so it's great for you to bring that out. Have you got any examples of that in your career where you fought the narrative and, and it was, you know, it turned, out to be, <laughs> turned out to be very painful? Well, everyone, loves, everyone loves hearing these stories, not the ones where you made loads, 
loads of money. I've, I've, I've probably tried to expunge those memories, to be quite honest. And uh, but I mean, I'm not sure that I can actually think of of one off the top of my well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. There's, there, I mean, there's there's been plenty of. I mean, that's why I wrote that right. Wrote down earlier on that one of the things I told my young self is not, uh, um, you know, you, you know, don't go against the narrative. But yeah, there's been plenty of times. I mean, I, I, I mean, because one of the things about leaving the leaving the exchange and, and going onto the screens is that suddenly, you know, you've got all, you've got a, a, a huge number of new products that you could trade if you if you're that way minded, and that goes back also to the boredom side of things where you know you think oh well i'm bored and my market's not doing anything what else something you know and you, you end up trading the market you, you you don't uh you don't necessarily understand and i think there's definitely for one of the things that i'm really bad at trading is, is indices futures and you know the amount of times where i've thought oh, these stocks are just they just keep going they're relentless, relentless. i mean the, you know the qe um back in when the u.s started the qe etc etc and you think, well, these are two. This is just this just can't keep going. So you start shorting, you get stopped out, you know. And and so I've certainly been on the wrong side of that narrative before. Um, but there's yeah, there's been numerous narratives going back. For, when you've done it for as long as I've done it, there's numerous times when I've gone against the narrative, uh, and it's been very expensive. Put that out of your memory now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark, any thoughts on that? I've seen clients go against the narrative. Uh, I've seen the market go against the narrative sort of by mistake as well. There was a Spanish Bono contract that Life decided to launch in a very awkward way. It decided to call the, um, it was the, the Diez Año uh, Bono, which is the Spanish bond market. And they did this massive advertising campaign in, in Madrid with like projections on walls and they they left the um, the sort of squiggle above the N off of the marketing, which basically meant they were they were selling the ten anus bond, which caused some degree <laughs> of consternation across the entire market in Madrid. And um, I was sitting on this, uh, you know, uh, my desk, you know, getting flow from a lot of Spanish clients. I looked after an awful lot of the big Spanish clients in the like the early 90s, I think, and. Um, but up and they and they they said they said we're not going to trade this stuff because like you know we want to support our market and our brothers in in the Spanish uh, business and uh, up pops the pricing on uh, you know day one, um, and it was basically I, I it was coming out of U.S. investment banks the pricing, it was three big figures wrong, three big figures wrong which is significant not three ticks but three big figures wrong, and suddenly I've got this sort of marquito marquito thing which is what they called me the junior version of Mark. <laughs> uh, where's the offer? Mine. And I think we bought like three and a half thousand lots. It was, the, it was like the, the biggest ever sort of volume of day one of any new life product. Um, but what it was, it was a Spanish bank, Arbin, three big points between the new product in the London market and that that existed in the Spanish market. Wow. And um, I guess Run that, ran that trade to maturity, and the FT was saying, "Yeah, Spanish bond launches online with this massive volume, you know, great success." Didn't trade it again. <laughs> day, day two volume was like ten lots or something, but it just shows you that you know professionals uh, can really, really mess up, and so yeah. price yeah. action isn't necessarily what you what you can expect, and may present it to be an opportunity, and that's where whatever you're trading. Understanding what fair value is is pretty bluntly clear, very, very critical. What you say about professionals is so true. And, um, you know, there, there is an opinion or a thought that there's always someone that knows what's going on in the market. But no one knows with anything more than a high degree of probability. And that's the truth. It doesn't matter how well informed you are, how smart you are. And, and I think that came, uh, you know, that, that, is, that is one of the learnings I've got as a coach where I speak to so many great individuals, both in banks, in hedge funds, private traders, is that no one knows. You know, I think, I think you know, you know, that's it's a good point because you know the amount of times you sit there and you think, oh, you know, this market's getting pushed, 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 and you think somebody knows something there, somebody knows something, and then you know it, it snaps back, reverses, and, that, and at the end of the day, you you've forgotten you've had that thought because it was just you know it, there, there might have been a large order going through when the when the market was in liquid for for a period of time. It's just before lunch or just you know, um, 
but yeah, you you know, there, it's, it's a very very natural inclination as a trader to think, hang on a second, I'm I'm out the loop here. Somebody's know, somebody knows something I don't know. Um, yeah. But probably ninety percent of the time is actually not the case. And that that's your mind playing games with you. Yeah, that's the difficult bit. Listen, Ed, one of the questions that I, I wanted to ask, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be really keen to hear your view on this, is what what do you think are the biggest factors which contributed to your success? I mean, you shared with us what you would have told your younger self. If, if you look back on your career um, and, and, and you know, you, you've done really, really well in this in this profession that is so many people are not able to make a sustained career. What do you think those main factors are? Um, well, I, I mean, one of the things, I mean, I, I, over, the, over the years I've, I've uh, attempted with varying degrees of success to try to train people up as well as uh, uh, train for myself. Um, and the, the first thing I would always say is, is that there is no, there is no photo identikit of a good trader. I mean, I, I, you know, I've worked with guys who've um, been to public schools with double barrel surnames who've been extremely good. I've worked with guys. I've worked with guys with, you know, where have left school at 16 with no qualifications, who are so sharp, they're sharper than anybody, and and so that so that there isn't any any photo fit, you know, and also when you come down to gender as well, you know, you know, a man doesn't make a better trader than a woman, in fact, you know, or, or vice versa, you know, it's just basically about the individual, and I think the first thing I well, I actually written down the first thing I is mental toughness, um, you know, you have to be extremely strong mentally um because you you you're going to get knocks you're going to you're going to get losses um and it's it's you know uh, and actually one of the things I've, I've always said about traders is is that it, you don't learn anything about a trader when they're on a good run you learn yeah. what you learn you learn about traders when they're losing money and how they how they how you know how you how you carry yourself how you how you bounce back you know how you you know and and so I mean I've I've learned a lot more about traders always when they when they're losing money and I've seen guys I've seen I've seen we've had kids come in you know the first six months they've been absolutely fantastic they, you know they've they've taken everything on board they've had a slow progression they start making some really good money they get overconfident they lose money and they crumble and they just because mentally they just can't they can't they can't deal with it you know and so. You know, I, I, you know. So basically, the first one is always mental. Is mental toughness. It, it's a, it's the ability to 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 admit to yourself that you're wrong. Don't let your ego get in the way of it, and just and just be like, right, okay, now you've got to bounce back. And and also, another thing worth noting for for new traders is if you have a bad day, then the following day you don't go into work and think to yourself, right, I lost X amount of money yesterday. Today I've got to make that money back. Because that is the worst way to approach it. You've got to say to yourself, right, I'm going to go back to my plan, what I'm happy to to make on a day-to-day basis. And whenever I've had really big losses, if I've gone into work the following day and thought, I'm going to chase my tail here, I'm going to chase this and get this back, I'm not going to do it. But but what normally happens is you think, right, okay, I'll have a steady day. And then you have a good good day, you rebuild your confidence. And before you know it, you, you know, you might feel like at the time, oh, that loss is going to take me ages to get back. And actually, it only takes you half the time because... You know, you, you've 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 trusted your own process, kind of thing. So the mental toughness is a is a real is a real part of it, and, and the ability to wipe the slate the slate clean mentally when you are having a bad time, and, and go back to you know, it's it's almost kind of like I suppose if you want to use a cricket analogy, it's like you know, if you look, you know, if you lose if you lose your wicket, then you've got to go back and rather and rather than going out there and trying to hit fours and sixes straight away, build your innings, sort of, you know, knock a few singles, get your confidence back up, and, and then and get and, and move on from there. And then, you know, the other thing about being successful is, is adapting all the time. You know, I, mean, I think, you know, um, I've seen guys along the way who, who found, you know, a niche or, 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 you know, some kind of anomaly within the market, which they've managed to exploit fantastically well. They've made a load of money. And then suddenly that anomaly goes and um, or, or that narrative might go as well. And, and suddenly they're in a situation where it's like, wow, OK, so that's how I was really making money. That's now gone. And so you've got to, you know, so you've got to adapt and you've got to, you know, you've got to, you know, look, look for other ways of, of trying to make money. So you've always got to adapt because the market's always different. You know, these days with the algorithms, the algorithms aren't always the same. They, they you know, they'll, they'll push the market for a while one way, then they'll do something else and that'll catch you off guard. Um, and I think also the other thing is like you've got to be humble, 
because you've got to, you know, the, the thing with this, the thing with markets are, and the thing with trading is, you have never ever cracked it. You know, no matter how long you've done it, how long you've done the job for, the long, no matter how much experience you've got. Whenever the biggest losses I've ever had is when I've got blasé and overconfident and just thought, oh, you know, I, I, I can't do anything wrong here, anything wrong. <laughs> and, and, and those are the times. Normally, the minute that that thought hits your mind is when you are heading for a fall. You know, so you, you've got to retain humility. Um, yeah. And discipline, and final, the final one, discipline. I think you know um, you've got to be. You know, you, if you lose your discipline, you know. I mean, some some of my worst days have come when I when when basically my head's gone, I've, my emotions have got the best of me. Um, I start chasing something, I get stopped out, and I think, and I, I mean, you know, one of the, the cardinal sin is get stopped out of something and put the trade straight back on. I've done that numerous times, and it's oh, taken me years God. to learn that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you've got to. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got to you've got to maintain your discipline at all times, and you know, and and do the things that you know. If you start to build a, a successful track record, you've just got to do that over and over again because that's that that you know those processes have got you to the position where you can be successful, and so you've always got to trust those. Um, and and as I say, don't get blasé. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. So trust the process, and uh, always have in your mind, back of your mind that what's about to happen has never happened before. You know, we kind of look at all the patterns in the past and think, yeah, that pattern's going to make sure that this then happens. But actually, what's about to happen has never happened before. It's, it's yet to happen. So, you know, agile, flexible mindset, that humility of just managing yourself. Yeah, you, you, that's almost so been a critical. theme for you, Ed, that agility, because you've changed from, you know, bank trader to floor trader, back to computer screen trader. And you've, I know you've moved geographical locations quite a few times. And that almost seems to be one of your hallmarks. You know, the fact that you're still doing this job at this age. And, you know, I, I, a lot of the coaching work I do is with people who who are making a change and struggle with that change. So you know, quite a lot of my work is people who move from a, a bank to a hedge fund. And then suddenly they're really struggling or jump from one hedge fund to another hedge fund and they can't replicate what they were doing before. Or I'm getting quite a lot of work with old bank traders who, who've, you know, especially in FX, and we're seeing it in equities as well, where the number of bank trading jobs have disappeared. So they're trying their hand at trading for themselves and finding that it's a completely different job. And, and the skills they had as market makers, where they thought, you know, that they would be able to turn it very simply to a day trading or a prop trading job. And, and they're really struggling, and, and they've got all the skills, but they just can't make the adaption. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the, the biggest point with that as well is, is the fact that trading with somebody else's money and trading with your own money is, is, a, is a completely different uh, kettle of fish. You know, you, you're, the, psych, the psychology is a, is a completely different thing. Um, I mean, obviously, I've traded with other people's money, and I've traded with my own money mainly for the last, you know, couple of decades I've, I've used my own money and and you know it's uh um but that transition across you feel those you know when it's your own money you feel those i mean you're a bank trader and you lose a, and you're having a good year and you lose half the money you've made that year you're thinking oh my bonus is you know, so that's gonna hit my bonus but when it's your own money and you, you've just lost say 10 percent of your account or something like that it's a totally different that's a different kettle of fish altogether yeah yeah we well, i mean i it's it's one of the things i've noticed since i started coaching because now, I wasn't so familiar with the private trading world when I was a bank trader. You know, I always had a salary. You know, even in a really bad year, I still got paid. You know, a good salary at the end of the year. Um, and then the private traders. You know, I've got so much respect for them since I've since I've come out of banks and started working with them because they literally eat what they kill, and it's a completely different mindset. Yeah, and also. Something I think that if any new traders are listening to this as well is, is and this is a really, really important point I feel, I feel for, 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 for new traders, is that if, you, if you're coming in every day under pressure that you've got to make money because you've got to pay bills and, 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 you know, and, and basically you have a finite amount of time to, for success before you, you know, uh, uh, that's good. that makes your job so much harder. Because if you, you know, I've seen this with, with many guys before where it's like, okay, well, I've, I've got to make X amount of money this month. Otherwise, you know, I, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm basically in dire, dire straits. And that, 
that kind of outside pressure, it, it massively impacts your decision making. Um, and so for, for any new traders, you know, you've got to sort of think to yourself, well, you know, you've got to have to give yourself a period of time to, 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 to learn the processes, to, to feel, you know, to, to get comfortable with what you're doing. And the, the more outside pressure you have to succeed in a shorter time frame makes your, your chances of success actually, uh, well, certainly diminish, you know. Yeah, the, the, these, were, these were two themes that our, both our last podcast um, interviewers made exactly the same point. You know, there's a lot of people that rush to make money and become successful in an unrealistic time frame. And they said that they would just never succeed. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's you know, it's like, you know, I hate to keep going on about sporting analogies, but, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's like when you're chasing down a total in cricket and, and you know, the number of balls are running out, but the, the, the runs aren't dying down. So you've got to have to take risks. And, you know, and the more risks you take, the more chance you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have of getting out, you know. And it's exactly the same in trading. You know, if you have to start forcing trades because you need to make money, then, you know, you're in, you're, you know, you might get lucky and, you know, you might end up, you know, sort of knocking out the park. But more than likely, you, you know, you're going to end up forcing the trade and it's going to end up wiping you out uh, if you're under, you know, because you start to unravel psychologically. So, you know, you really need to... You know, you need to give yourself plenty of time and plenty and, and, and as much leeway as you can financially if you're going to take this job on because it, because it, when the, when you when you're up against it, it's a it's that hard enough job as it is. But if you if you really need to make money, then it's going to make the job you know sort of doubly hard. Yeah, and can we just have a little mention for any Americans li listening about cricket? Just think <laughs> baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm picking up from this conversation that from from you two that have been on the trading side, successful on the trading side, that if you're good at exams at school, then trading might suit you. I, well, I wasn't good at exams, I became a broker. <laughs> and, uh, actually, actually, if you're a trader, actually, maybe you want to go and learn some cricket rules and uh, a cricket strategy <laughs> as, uh, as, as a way of actually picking up ideas as to how to manage yourself, because in cricket, you need patience. It's all about strategy. And uh, yeah, there's a huge overlap with, with, as I said before, about the sports psychology we're trading that should not be ignored. So if I put my 40 years ago hat on, then learning about sports psychology could well be, you know, one of the things that uh, would, would help you, you know, sort of um, you know, differentiate yourself as, as an early trader in this business. Well, there's so much overlap. I mean, I think a lot of people come into trading thinking it's really an academic profession. But actually, I think it's got far more to do with sport and playing sport than it has with any academic activities. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And, and actually, um, to, to use another analogy, that, and it, this is a golfing one, actually. So there was, a, there was a US golfer back in the late 80s, early 90s called Paul Weisinger, who's actually been the Ryder Cup captain since then. And I remember seeing an interview with him uh, a good, good few years back, and he was talking about form. You know, he was saying, you know, when, when you're on form, you, you, you know, you just can't do anything wrong. You know, you, 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 you might hit, a, you know, you hit a shot that really should be going out of bounds, it hits a tree and comes back in or, or whatever. But, you, you know, you, you, and it feels like that form will never leave you. And then he said, you know, but when form leaves you, it feels like you're never going to get it back. You're going to spend hours on the practice grounds, hitting balls, hitting balls, hitting balls. But you just feel out of form and it feels like it will never return. But then something will, will happen that, that, that makes it return. And, it's, and that is exactly the same as trading. You know, you could spend as much time as you normally do research-wise, get very frustrated, and sometimes you just end up on a bad run. You can't, you know, and it's, you know, and then once again, the psychology comes into it is, you know, you've got to, you know, you, you know you've, you've got to basically trust in the process, keep doing your research, you know, keep, keep your trading rules, and, you know, your bad run will come to an end eventually. Um, at the time, when you're, in a, when, when you're in the middle of a bad trading run, you just feel like it's never, it's never going to end. No, and I, I think I think that's great advice, and um, you know it's it, it's also interesting that sort of you know having a little bit of mentorship or support um, can be brilliant as well. And you, you talked about the guys that backed you that came out and sort of made sure that you you know when you disappeared for your coffee, you know it sounds like that was a pivotal moment in your career, even though it seems like it was something so small. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really. I mean, I remember Steve. We we had a session. I think about eight years ago, and it's the first time I'd ever really sat down and really chatted to anybody for a couple of hours about what I do, you know, what, what my thought process is, and the stress, you, stress and strain you go under. And you know, and I was I was actually quite skeptical about 
that that chat we had going into that chat and i really really enjoyed it because it's the first time i think in my in many many years apart from me coming home and, and moaning at my girlfriend about oh my god you know did this and did that and she's looking at me you know with blank you know a blank look on her face you know you sat there listened you knew exactly what what i was talking about and i just sort of went off for a couple of hours and I was like, wow, that was that was such a it was a release, you know, and and I think whether it's uh, um, you know whether it's a post work beer with a, with a, with a couple of fellas you sit next to, to be able to go, you know, and, and just sort of you know vent if you like, you know, oh, you know, this didn't quite happen for me today, or you know, or or you know that that went really well, and I didn't expect it, you know. That, I think it's always good to debrief, and I think you know for, for anyone who's sitting at home who's a trader and sat, sits at home. Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of trade rooms or anything like that. I've never really been involved in them. But I think if you if you can have a network of people that you can speak to, and 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 it, it, it helps, it helps. It, it unloads. You know, you, you you emotionally unload, and it also unburdens your minds to a degree. I think you know. Yeah, I, I think, totally yeah. agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, think, I think it's so important. People don't think of it, but it should be part of their process. You know, one of the things which I always used to say was that when I worked on a bank trading desk, you know, it, it was like there was a band of brothers mentality. And whilst you all ribbed each other and, and, and pulled each other apart, you know, something rotten, you know, when your backs were against the wall, you all supported each other so much. It's it's almost hard to describe. You know, it's like, you know, you're under fire and there's a guy who's got your back and he's covering you. And, you know, that, that I, I always wonder, you know, traders on their own, talk about this loneliness and not having support and and sort of forget or don't realize how important that is in trading yeah i think yeah 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 i mean that's, it is it is essential you know if, if nothing else i mean you know just to just to, at the end of the day to you know if you've gone you know because you go through i mean if you're you go through you know highs and lows all day long you know obviously you get the really dull days where nothing happens at all but when it's really busy you know, and you know your P and L fluctuates, and you know, and you know. I mean, I've had days where I've had some days where I've turned really good starts of the day into stinkers, and then you know I've had real, really terrible starts of the day, and and ended up walking out either made the money back or actually made money. Like, oh, that's fantastic! But the thing is, you're walking out, you're buzzing, or you're really depressed, and it's just it, and and to go home and or or to stay at home and walk downstairs from your office to to have that, you know, to you know to not be able to release the emotion of that. It's you know that 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 builds up. So you so it's, I think it really is essential to, to be able to see. You know, I've got someone to talk to be able to talk to talk about it. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think so, and I don't I don't think this this aspect is understood understood no. enough. No, <clears throat> you know, it's very interesting. There's someone I know that came off life floor that uh, remarkably successful in investment banking and went back into I think just being a a day trader, and it and he's but he does it from home, um, and he. Gets out of bed in the morning, gets himself sort of, sort of casually dressed, goes for a walk, and then walks back into his house as though he's walking back into work. He does the same. He makes sure he has a lunch. And, of course, there are these periods of time when you can have lunch in, in markets. Um, and at the end of the day, he actually gives himself a sort of, a, a sort of an end time where he puts down his things, he walks out of his house, goes for a walk, and walks back into his house as though he's coming home. And he changes his mindset from being, you know, totally 100% market focused during his, his trading day to being obviously a slight eye on the market for anything nasty overnight. But he shifts it to being family focused. And he uses that sort of, you know, walking out of the front door and back into the front door, just his process for managing the fact that he's got a day life, but also he's got a family life as well. I think that's brilliant. I mean, I was about to sort of make a joke at you about that, but actually, there's something really, really valuable about that. Yeah, it's just yeah. It was, and I've heard it from somebody else as well that's in that works in a normal corporate, but they work from home, and she does the same thing. She essentially walks out the house and then walks back into her house as though she's walking to work, because she said that you can guess time flies when you're at home. You you, you can you she tends to work more at home than she does at work. I think it, you could say the same for traders. It's sort of more intense. You're more focused. You're looking at more things, and suddenly it's like eight o'clock at night, and you've forgotten about the fact that actually, no crumbs. I've got to find time for myself. And that's meant that's self-management, isn't it? That's I mean, that, this is all part of this psychology. The more present you are, mentally and in yourself, 
the better you will trade. And it's managing that self outside, you know, that, you know, what you eat, how you sleep, uh, you know, having a social life, getting away. These are all really big parts of trading that people don't, you know, they don't care for. Yeah, I think also uh, the one other thing I'd say is, is uh, you know, the, the uh, example that Marx just brought up there. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's the first time I've ever heard, ever heard that somebody does that. I think it's actually a fantastic idea because, you know, I, I, I work between home and work in, a, in an office um, with other guys as well at times. And, you know, it, 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 there, are, there are no hard and fast rules to, to, to this game. And it's, what, what, it's basically what works for yourself, you know. And, it, and if it works for you that you walk out of your home and then walk back in the door and it's, that's the start of your day, then fantastic. You know, it, it doesn't matter how you, what you do, if it works for you, then, then just keep doing it, you know? And that's brilliant. And do you know what? I'm getting a feeling, you know, we, we've got to start wrapping this up. But that's a really good, I mean, I was going to ask you about a nugget at the end, Adam, but I think you've kind of just said it there. You know, what works, <laughs> what works for you is really important and to the man yeah, yourself. I, I think the thing is, as well, is, is it's, you know, it, it, this is an extremely hard game when, you, when you're starting out, you know. Um, and you know, and and it is about trying to find something that's, that that works for you and what you're comfortable with. And yeah, going back to that point, it is you know, if you if you find something that's working for you, then you know, then then keep keep doing it. You know what? You know the old the old adage, you know, that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That 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 works. Is you know that that completely works. But you know. So, you know, because you know, trading is a contradiction. You've always got to be prepared to, to adapt. So, so if something changes, you know, don't think, oh God, you know, that was working for me. Now it's not working for me. I'm, 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 you know, what do I do now? So, well, you know, you, you, you know, sit down, take a deep breath, and start to, you know, to to, to look at other processes. Um, so you should always. I think the, the nugget would be, you know, if, it, if it's not broken, then don't fix it. But if you if if things start to change a little bit for you, then you know you have to be ready to adapt. Yeah, and that that's an art, isn't it? I mean, I think that that is an art. How you calibrate that? Yeah, it's not. It's, it's a lot easier saying it than doing it. So. But that, that I think I think that's kind of like what you know. You stick at it, and you start to intuitively get a feel for when when you do that, when you stay with it and when you move on. And I, I think that's one of the, you know, it's one of the defining characteristics of, of great traders and successful traders is, is they do stick to it and they do change when they need to. But you can't, I don't think they can even describe to someone how you do that. No, but there is actually one other thing that kind of springs to mind as well. It's also, it's about being honest with yourself. You know, I think, you know, you know, another one is that you know, hope, hoping is isn't a trading strategy, and you have to be and you have to be honest with yourself when you think, well, okay, I'm actually employing too much hope here, and I don't feel this is going very well, and, and you know, and and being prepared to say, right, okay, look yourself in the eye, this isn't working, let's go back, to, let's go back to basics, and and and, and you know, and, and I'm wrong, whether it's whether I, whether you're wrong about your market view. Or you know whether whether you know the, the style of trade is not not working. You know you've always got to be honest with yourself because ultimately you you know you're not going to kid yourself and and deep down you'll know you know. No, I mean that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Listen, I think we're going to wind this up. Um, I'm going to ask. I'm going to. This is not going to be recorded this bit, but I'm going to ask Mark to just wrap this up now. But if you could stay on the line for a couple of minutes, don't don't put the phone down yet. Okay. Okay. No problem. Brilliant. Uh, so, Mark, do you want to just wrap this uh, this session up? It's been a great interview, and I'll hand it over you to just sort of sum it up. Well, crumbs. I think we've learned so much. I think um, I think sharing sharing his experiences to an audience that could be of any you know state of their career in the market in terms of where they are. But um, Adam, I think I'm very, very grateful for you coming out of being so frank. Um, so honest yourself. Um, I think you can tell from, uh, you know, j j just your tone, just just how you know committed you are to, you know, the, the market. And as we all are, you know, those that have come from the market, there's this sort of uh, this energy that comes in conversation. And I think that's come across very very well today. So we're we're very grateful, myself and Steve, but also I'm sure the audience will get an awful lot out of this. So uh, we thank you once again. Okay, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. This has been a lot of fun talking to Adam. 
Um, as you can see, it's a, it's a topic we're passionate about. And we know most people who trade and are involved in trading and investing are really passionate about this mental side of trading performance, the real challenge, the real art of trading. That's where great performance comes from. You know, we have many other resources on uh, on the subject. You could check out our blog, alphamindblog.blogspot.com. You can follow us on social media at alphamind101. That's my Twitter handle. You can follow Mark at themindguys.com. Also, we have a LinkedIn group where we post many of our articles. That LinkedIn group is called the Alpha Mind Group. You can also check out some of our previous Alpha Mind podcast episodes and subscribe to it so you don't miss any future episodes. And we've got some brilliant talks coming up, which I advise you not to miss. Please rate us also on iTunes. That will also help. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.